0: Hello, and welcome back to Yalla, the podcast of GeoStudents students brought to you by UJS. I'm Matty, the Digital Engagement Sabbatical Officer at UJS,
1: And I'm Ellie Glazer, President of Edinburgh JSOC. Today, we are honoured to be joined by Zach Davies, who recently starred on the hit TV show, The Traitors. Welcome to the podcast, Zach.
2: Hi, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us. So to begin with, could you tell us a little bit about what your upbringing was like, please?
2: Um, so my, my upbringing was was kind of like very stereotypically Northwest London Jewish upbringing. Uh, I kind of lived in what you would call the the Jewish bubble. <laughs> All my friends were Jewish. I went to Jewish primary school, reception, secondary school, um, and kind of. I don't think I had a non-Jewish friend till <laughs> till I was like I don't know, like fourteen or fifteen. So I'd say that's probably what I was. It's quite like a sheltered upbringing, isn't it? Is is what I'd say about it. But um, yeah, only after going to like uni and and kind of like spanning my horizons, do I start realising that there's more to life than just the Jewish people in your close network. Um, and I think I've definitely grown as a person because of that. I think you're very like kind of used to um, what's safe and 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 kind of relative and new, kind of familiar to you. And then only when you kind of go to uni, do you get the culture shock of like, oh, no, everyone's like me. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's different.
0: No, Everyone's the same. So when you went yeah. to um university and like left the Jewish bubble, as you said, um, how did like your relationship with your Jewish identity change through that? Um, so I think I think I probably stepped
2: away from the Jewish identity. I still kind of hold like dear to me the the element of Jewish culture and uh Jewish social elements. I mean, religiously, I was never too focused on on my Jewish upbringing. I was, I was never really going to shul or like. I mean, I, I'm fast to Yom Kippur and. Um, you know, trying listen to the shofar on like Rosh Hashanah, but I would never go beyond that. But I think I just, I, I, gradually, the connection I have got has 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 had got weaker over the years. Um, and I, I don't think that's kind of to my to to what I've exposed myself to, like going to uni and that sort of stuff. I think it's more just like an evolution of my thinking, just kind of moving away from that as as being a core dependency in my life. Um, but it still holds like a tremendous place in my heart, like being Jewish and and everything. I've I, my friends tell me because I mention it all the time. <laughs> just like whenever, whenever I'm, whenever I'm like in public or something, and maybe you're like getting in a debate with someone or or on the show The Traitors, I always use kind of being Jewish as a hook. I don't know, I don't know why I do it, but I just feel like it's it's really relevant, even when it isn't. I agree. Um, Same thing. Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, I guess, um, I guess as a person of a whole, but probably not too much down to leaving the bubble more just so it's like getting older and having like a new set of thinking and morals
1: mm-hmm. that makes sense so we read in a recent article you mentioned how your secondary school experience helps you prepare for the show um would you be able to expand <laughs> on that
2: they took that out of context <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they asked me how it helped me prepare and I wanted to give them like a really good answer about how it did prepare me but after kind of like talking with them and thinking how, how I don't actually think it did prepare me I said to them uh, or maybe you know kind of the dog eat dog nature of like secondary school but I think that's more because it's just secondary school not because it's a Jewish secondary school but I said that and then immediately recanted and said, it's probably just everyone's experience of secondary school. <laughs> it's not just specific to me or like, uh, only what I'm experiencing. And then they ran with it and said, Jeff has prepared Zach for the <laughs> Um I guess it's more of a lesson to me to watch what I say and be a bit more uh, I can't, I'm, just, I'm not very uh, I'm just too candid. I think it's a problem. I think I say everything that's on my mind and then when I try and take it back, sometimes it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I think we saw some of that on the traitor <laughs> um during the show. Um but like moving more into like your university life in Leeds, um, which um I might be biased, but I think is one of the best universities. Oh yeah. Um for sure. What, what would you say is like the best night out in Leeds?
2: Oh, um, I I recently did a um an interview with the Leeds tab, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, but they kind of talked to me about what I was what Nights out, I used to go to, but I loved the Otley Run. Um, that was one of my favorites. I've, I made the mistake of doing the first. And for those of you who you don't know what Otley Run is, it's a, it's a pub crawl from all the pubs on Otley Road. I think it's like eighteen pubs in total, from really far out the town into like the, the city. And uh, I made the fatal mistake of doing the first one on Guinness. <laughs> and I was bloated. I don't know. I was about yeah. double my size by the end. <laughs> um. But I love one of those. I, I love like Beaver Works and Canal Mills, like the big DJs when they come in. Um, and then my guilty pleasure, which I said in the interview, is Hi Fi Tuesdays, which I think was Fuzzy Logic at the time, um, which is like kind of like old school disco and, and I don't know, it was just kind of like funky. And I love that. I'd always go. Um, I think it's still good. Uh, Oh, is it? Oh, amazing! Yeah. Uh, one of the DJs that worked there reached out to me and was like, "You're probably there one night." So I was there. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, amazing." Um, but I also promoted for um, Sticky Feet on Fridays. I'm not sure if that's still running. It was, it was Fridays at Warehouse, and I, in my first year, I promoted for it, thinking that it was like so cool to like be at university and promoting and selling tickets. <laughs> realizing very quickly that everyone hates those people,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good learning experience. Yeah. But so following on from that, if you had to pick one highlight from your university experience, what would it be?
2: Um, I think the highlight from my university experience, um, besides, which is which is a safe answer here, meeting my girlfriend, <laughs> who I'm still with <laughs> today. Um, I think the highlight is probably the end of exams in third year. You've kind of got like the uncertainty ahead of you, but the excitement of the present. So like you're really, really happy that all the exams are over and you never have to do an exam again. And um, for me, it was a potential possibility because I was maybe going to go into the legal route and there'll be loads of exams after that. But the kind of euphoria you have that it's all over. But then the mystery of what's to come is it's a weird feeling. And I, I, I've i really enjoyed that. The first sip of the pint on the Leeds Uni Terrace, that, one, that was a
0: magical moment after that final international law exam. Uh, so I'd say that one. Lovely and you mentioned how you kind of like went out of Jewish a bit at university but did you go to any JSOC events? What was your like Jewish student experience like? I did yeah I went to a few I went to Purim. Um,
2: Purim's always a, a good fun I, I, one story I always tell <laughs> um, friends who don't really know much about like Jewish upbringing was that we used to go to like um Rabbi Fire. I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's a, an American rabbi that lives in London, and he used to have us all like round at his house for Purim drinks every year when we were like seventeen. <laughs> and people don't really, have... maybe, yeah, maybe I can't say this, <laughs> but we used to, he used to like have like sixty of us around for drinks, and we used to get like drunk at his house. And I think that kind of encapsulates what Purim's like. When I tell people that, I'm like, oh, that's a bit sus, <laughs> but it's um, I think it's just. It's just Purim, isn't it? Everyone gets a bit wild and drinks a lot. And um, I used to go to Purim and I used to go to, I think they did a FIFA tournament once and I'm a massive gamer and I'm good at FIFA. So I was. I saw that as an opportunity there to go beat everyone. Did you I win? Went, no, I didn't. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> didn't. I think this comes back to like the whole thinking I'm, I'm better than I actually am at everything like the crossbow thing in the tray <laughs> is. <laughs> still, still think I'm good with that though.
1: Yeah, good, beer. <laughs> good for you. Good me, me you don't agree <laughs> so aside from sometimes going to gsoc which other societies were you involved in at uni and how was that experience of being involved in student groups
2: um well only really positive i'd say um i, I was a member of law SOC, obviously because you did law and they encouraged you to be part of the society but it was a great society a lot of my friends were on the committee i actually ran for the committee for negotiation secretary which is like a debating sort of thing and i think i narrowly really lost out on the vote after a very <laughs> a very vicious smear campaign against my opponents <laughs> i would uh, i would photoshop pictures of them in like <laughs> in like with, like dodgy movie titles or something and be like you can't vote for them vote for me we we're like uh, <laughs> i think i did my, myself my, my own face on like legally blonde or something and use that and then um i don't know, i can't remember what i did for the other people but yeah, I loved Leeds Law Soc. It was a great university. Um, loads of really good events. They used to do an event where I think we we did like every month, every few months, we, we did an event with Philosophy Society, Business Society, and there's all like, it was like big bashes, and it was like a lot of fun meeting different people from different societies. But yeah, we have the Leeds Law talent show at the end of the year that was like the highlight of the year and my friend was the president And i remember really clearly in like second year maybe 10 years oh, nine 10 years ago of him coming out to hotline bling by drake and the whole crowd going like wild <laughs> it was a really surreal experience Thing think about um and then I was part of Snow Riders. Uh, I got membership for Snow Riders to go on the Valtoren ski trip, Leeds, which is the social highlight of the year. I don't know if it still is, maybe. It's, it's still quite re- renowned. Yeah, Valtoren was so much fun. Um, just being out on in like the French apps for a week with 300 other uni students is a lot of fun. The club
0: nights are wild. <laughs> Lovely. And moving now more into away from like university, more into yeah. like. Sounds like I've just been talking about how much I drank for years. <laughs> 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 so moving more into like your career, um, especially like before the traitors, um, what like, how did you decide you wanted to become a parliamentary like affairs advisor? Was that like during university or after university? Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I think I kind of got pushed into the legal route by my parents a bit because they're like, oh, my son, the lawyer. (laughs) They (laughs) wanted wanted me to become like a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. And I thought like it was sort of my identity to be a lawyer. Um, But then very swiftly realizing after my first year of law that I don't actually like the (laughs) subjects what I did love was politics and history and I wish I did a history degree um because I think that's actually a degree where I genuinely enjoy myself and have fun to be stimulated by the course um but I realized too little too late that I'm kind of stuck with law so it's still a good degree to have which I've been told by my friends who are lawyers recently um which makes me feel a bit more comfortable in that but I decided that my passion and like what I wanted to pursue occupationally was politics. I think it's always it's maybe a bit difficult to be a historian when you haven't done a history degree, um, and and politics seemed to make sense because I've always been like very politically active, been a member of the Labour Party since I was sixteen or seventeen. Um, after encouragement from my then politics teacher at the time, shout out Mister Bennett's, who um, was who <laughs> was very inspiring, and um, yeah, I, I kind of just then decided that public affairs and like political it's it's sort of like political analysis is what i do at the moment um would be the right route for that because it used my kind of communication and writing skills with my like kind of persuasiveness attached to it which is sort of what public affairs entails which is you know making your organization seem like it's doing really well on in the political um public facing kind of life um See, so yeah, I kind of went to that, and now I've got a new job coming up. I'm starting work for Labour MP very shortly, which has been my dream to actually work in Westminster for the last four years. It's really difficult to get your foot in the door, but I'm now glad that I've actually done that. Um, so I'll be starting there in about a month's time, which I'm very excited for.
1: Good luck. That's Thank so you. Awesome. So you mentioned how obviously law is still a really good degree to have. Do you think that your law degree helps you in this role more than people who've maybe studied politics or history or in different ways
2: no (laughs) (laughs) i mean unless there's like a a legal document that comes across the desk which i wouldn't even be able to read probably not (laughs) um i would say i would say law's really good at um the extracurricular stuff around law so like negotiating and debating and mooting Uh, i think it's mooting is what it was called i think that was really important because that enabled me to Develop my persuasion skills, my argument skills, um, and when you when you're getting involved in that and doing negotiating, sitting across like a desk from two other students and kind of pitching our ideas to each other. I don't know if you know what negotiation is, but it's basically you're given a hypothetical case, and you have to you, you're both given one side of the coin. It's typically like a civil matter, and you're mediators, and you have to kind of come out with a certain select of um certain selection of like goals and asks that your client wants, and um and I loved that, and that was like right up my street, and I think I had to do it on my own because for some reason my partner didn't turn up because i think he was hung over <laughs> so i got through one of the rounds 1v2 which which is still a, a uni highlight to, the, to this day um
1: That's yeah,
2: impressive. yeah I'm, I'm chuffed about that and then we quickly went out the next round when we were confronted by much smarter much more prepared students <laughs> um so yeah law, law has helped in that sense in terms of like learning about i don't know international humanitarian law and like Banking law is something I've actually carried with me as my career. Uh, I'm really interested in, in banking and finance, financial services, and I loved banking law a lot at university, learning about like this is, this might sound very boring, but like ring fenced funds and stuff like that, and the operation of the SCA and the PRA. That's something I've carried with me because I've worked in financial ser- the financial services sector my entire kind of career after university. So that's been really helpful. I've worked very closely with the SCA and PRA. So knowing a bit about what they do has, has been, um, has definitely been helpful. Um, I wanted to do my dissertation in banking law, but um, I was unfortunately late to the selection and only got constitutional law, which I kind of swerved to being about politics rather than law. Um, yeah, it's pretty smart. yeah, it was. Um, it was... <laughs> the problem is, dissertation the my tutor for this dissertation wanted me to do it about like um, the the constitution itself and like compare other countries, and I was like, no, I'm going to do it about politics.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. And you mentioned you're starting in like a month to work for a Labour MP, do you think you'll also do more work further down the line in the future in terms of like, because you've gained a following online, like being more like a, a typical like Instagram influencer, TV personality uh, sort of thing as well? That's quite or a you...
2: generous term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think anyone cares about me. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there. No, that was that
0: was the end of the question.
2: I, do, I think I'll be doing more uh, just, just in general, like yeah. you know, raising awareness for certain causes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to for mental health. I think that's like a big part of me and my experience. Like I first started suffering with mental health problems my first year of uni and I had the kind of challenge of finding and learning about myself whilst also confronting the very real reality now that I've I've got anxiety and OCD and I've got to also battle with that. Um, and that's something very close to my chest and something that wasn't really documented in my time on the show, um, I had quite a bit of a journey myself on the show from the first episode to the last, involving me breaking down on episode three in the round table, but it not really being aired. And then me kind of um, having a panic attack in the round table in episode eight and that not being aired. Um, so I felt like it's a really strong part of who I am and an unescapable part of my life. And I definitely want to do more outreach, but it feels like that's... Um, I don't know, I'd love to get approached but we're going to do Tough Mudder as a group all the traitors people and I think everyone wants to raise money for Alzheimer's and well, what I think that's a good cause to donate for. I think I wanted to donate for something a bit more personal to me and I'm probably going to change the charity that we're donating for to Mind for myself I raised money for them a few years ago um, due November and I actually raised like a £1,000 somehow. <laughs> I think I was just pestering all my mates and be like, you got to donate you got to donate um, so I, I certainly want to do more there. Um, I think also being a Jewish person working for a Labour MP, I think there's also an opportunity to maybe raise awareness against anti Semitism because there has been a lot of it lately. It's been been documented in newspapers today. Um, And, you know, I guess whatever your stance on Palestine or Israel, there's definitely a clear against position I have against anti Semitism. So definitely trying to do something there, maybe liaising with. i can't remember the uh, parliament the jewish labor party i can't remember the part the um the group the organization they have is called but of my movement is it jlm i think JLM. it's jlm yeah. yeah yeah um someone in my school is actually i think the president for them so they have been trying to do some outreach there um yeah
1: that's amazing very powerful do you, you think in your outreach are you at all tempted to do another tv show
2: I struggled a lot on the traitors. Like it was, it was really tough for me. Um, and like I do like TikTok Lives and stuff. And people ask if I'd ever go on All Stars, and I just don't know at this moment in time whether I could confidently say I would. Um, I would like to do TV shows that are less physically and emotionally grueling. <laughs> so something like The Chase or something where I can make a fool of myself for not knowing the answer to a question that I'm I really arrogantly think I do know. Um, or like pointless or something like that, but um, I don't think I could go on like a traitor's equivalent or something like that. I don't know, I'm know a <laughs> celeb. I think I think I'd struggle in like I'm a celeb. Not that I'm I'm definitely nowhere near like the pool of potential candidates. but I'm a celeb. I got Sam Thompson, then an, an insignificant person from the trades. So I don't I don't think they really marry up there. <laughs> um, so but I I wouldn't mind doing some other sort of fun things. Gladiators would be cool. I think Jasmine was saying she wanted I talked to Jasmine like every day and she was telling me she wants to do gladiators. I think she'd be great on gladiators.
0: Yeah, I think that that seemed like a really fun show to do. Mm-hmm. Um but what made you sign up then to do the traitors? I think it's the
2: um I said I said, I said it's four, but I think it's really true. I think it's the game show for gamers. I think it's like the reality TV show for gamers, I think for nerds and people who are like um, you know, it's not Love Island <laughs> I don't have to be like Six foot tall and really good looking to be on it And it's like quite strategic And and um, I don't want to say cerebral again Because I got crucified for saying that On Reddit uh, But it is it is like uh, quite brain heavy And I think that kind of suits me And it's like really interesting Like My, my friends and I played loads of Mafia And um, and like, sort of Among Us type games And it's kind of just, like, resonated with me a bit And I, th- I thought I'd probably be quite good at it or really bad at it, which I think I was somewhere in the middle of um, and it kind of stood out to me, it's been like a really fun experience, especially stepping out of comfort zone and meeting like 21 other people which is it's basically like an excuse to it's, uh, to me, I was saying in my interviews, it felt like a, a summer camp with a hint of murder <laughs> attached uh, yeah. yeah felt like a Israel tour again
1: <laughs> that's exactly what I said when I first watched
2: it yeah the ab sailing down a cliff <laughs> and stuff like that, which I didn't get to do. That is that is so Israel tool. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't know if that reflects well. on the sure what bad Take it as you will.
2: I loved Israel um, tour. I think that was like one of the happiest moments hide- of my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure it was amazing. Um. So. Did you want to be a traitor or a faithful if you could have chosen?
2: Um, so, obviously, thinking with like a strategic cap on, uh, strategic Yamuka on, or on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, irrelevant. Um, I think I would have said be a traitor, obviously, because like you have the power in your hands. You can actually have a way. For, for the traitors, as one game it's, it's getting the faithful out and winning the game, which is like very not simple but it's far easier than what the faithful have to do. The faithful have to not only find traitors, but they also have to convince people they're a faithful, which is, and, and obviously put across compelling arguments around tables and avoid banishment. So like, this is kind of where I think Jazz um, had a bit of difficulty. He was actually convincing people who was a faithful by the end and like really putting across compelling arguments as to why he wasn't a traitor. He had the great gut instincts, but couldn't follow up with like the sort of political element of the game. Um, so I think for that reason, being a traitor is obviously what you want to be. Sorry. Uh, but I think being a faithful is more my speed. <laughs> I don't think I would be. I was nervous anyway as a faithful. Like, imagine me as a traitor sitting at this round table was bumbling away, just looking incredibly nervous. I think I'd just give the game away really early, so there's no point in me being a traitor. Whereas I think I could have... I, I thought prior to this, I could have done some damage as a faithful. But obviously, it did a lot of damage for the faithfuls. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and um you we saw you like early on in the show, I think it was episode three, you had suspicions that there was a mum and son uh playing the game. Did you think it was Diane and Ross or did you think it was other people? And how did that like suspicion come about?
2: Well, I I said at the start that it was Diane and Paul. Oh, yes. Um I just thought there'd be another relationship dynamic and I thought it would make sense for it to be a mum and a son, um, or um, a dad and a son dad and daughter you know, that sort of parent relationship um so i just from the start i kind of like looked at the portraits of people and i was thinking who looks alike here and i knew obviously diane was irish and or norman irish sorry she'll she tell me off of that um sorry getting a bit too political there <laughs> um um and Paul just kind of had, because he was ginger obviously, I kind of stereotyped him, he looks a bit Irish. And then I looked at their eyes and they've got very similar, like very small dark eyes. And I thought this is a bit weird, it's kind of uncanny. Um, Obviously realising that when Ross takes his glasses off and you see him without like the magnification of the lenses, he just looks, he looks identical to Diane. And I didn't realise that at the time because he has an arse on all the time. You're never really getting like to sit down and like glare at him across the across the table or something. But then, when he takes him off, it's uncanny. Um, so I kind of realized too little, too late. Then I handed the show the the best line of the series with the Ross Paul couldn't be my son, but Ross is. <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking some credit for that. Like I got that line. I think I'd like I'd like to say that I got that line across the across the table. <laughs> I think that was but, um, one of
0: the best lines of the series. Yeah, Diane was brilliant in that. I
2: wonder if she'd like her rehearse that <laughs> that line, that delivery, unbelievable delivery.
1: As well as being suspicious, obviously of a mom and a son relationship, he also was suspicious of Harry throughout the show, right? So why didn't I was suspicious
2: Harry until Jazz was? I I, I, I've thought I thought Harry was as faithful as they (laughs) come. Really? I I think I think if I was sat there at the end, I'd probably done exactly the same thing that Molly did. It's just spoke for Jazz. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that if kind of Andrew came out and um. I was suspicious of Paul, but not Harry. Um, I'd like to think if I was there at the end and Andrew came out against Harry, something would have clicked there. But I, yeah, I did not think Harry was a traitor at all the entire way through.
0: He was as good a traitor as they come. So when Jazz like was speculating that Harry was uh, a traitor, did everyone just not get on board with it and just think that Jazz was just in his own mind sort of thing?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember the clip where he's telling me and Evie that he thinks yes. Harry is a traitor, and we're kind of laughing him out the door. Yeah. <laughs> I feel awful about that, by the way. <laughs> um, but like, Jazz came across in in so like his his edit in the show. I mean, his gut instincts make him look like Poirot. <laughs> like they make him look like the most unbelievable detective. Um, like there was like an amazing paper. his gut instincts were insane like he knew who all the traitors were and that was incredible but what you don't see is kind of like <laughs> the um the the bits at the round table which makes you doubt whether he's a faithful or not because i remember one of the round tables we were all debating whether pool was a traitor or not and and for some reason, Jazz took like 30 minutes around table time to talk about how much he wants to go for a pipe with Paul. <laughs> and, and we were I think we were like really confused. Like the Andrew vote where Jazz voted for Miles. Uh, so uh they so, yeah, had Miles vote when Jazz voted for Andrew. Um people everyone thought that Jazz was a traitor the entire way through. <laughs> like his 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 actions were so suspect. Um so um, when he came to me and Evie with the revelation that he thought was Harry, and while it did make sense in his mind, based on the the facts that we had and like what we were confronted by, it just did not stand up. And we thought that maybe it was Jazz trying to stir, potentially. um. So we didn't buy it. And we thought it was just a little bit of a desperate play. um. But obviously, what a player he was. I was rooting for him big time.
1: For sure. What was your favourite mission of the show?
2: Um, my favourite mission was a graveyard mission um, Where we were digging in the crypts and the tombs um, It felt like Because obviously I said I'm a bit of a gamer It felt like a Mario Party minigame Or like a Pummel Party <laughs> minigame And that was like right I've actually played like dodging Spotlight mini games On my computer loads, So that was right up my street um, I knew that I couldn't get caught by the spotlights. So Otherwise like, I'd come back and sit on Discord with my mates And they'd all crucify me for it <laughs> they were like, how'd you get caught? You've done it thousands of times <laughs> um so that was my favorite it was like living a little a little mini game but i think like aesthetically the coolest mission was the the funeral mission it was just so so camp and well done <laughs> and I, I loved it
0: um the mission's yeah. just so much fun and as you said it's like it does feel like a summer camp sort of vibe i think that's kind of like what gives it the summer camp aspect
2: yeah I actually skipped the missions when I was watching the first season. I was only yeah. interested in the roundtable and the banishments. <laughs> <laughs> I lived for the drama, so it's just like this is pulling away from the drama. But I think the the missions definitely got a level up this year. I don't know if the budget's increased, but that can with the dynamic of like getting shields during the missions yeah. was, I think, a really necessary thing for the show to implement. I would love to see like some sort of 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 like sabotage. Acting going on, so like the traitors have to actively pull away from the prize fund. I think that would be a be a really nice fresh twist. Um Keep the show kind of watchable. Get,
0: get you on the production team for series three, then. I,
2: I don't think so. It's, it's <laughs> a hard job. Like they work like uh, we, we we're obviously filming like sixteen hour days for three weeks, but they were living sixteen hour days for three months. So it's a you have to really respect what they do. Like they're incredible
0: people, they're really hard workers, and I couldn't do it. Fair enough. Um, if you were to go back and do All Stars or do the show again, um, w- how would you change the way you played the game? And if so, like, how would you do that? I don't think I can. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> think I have a, a a number like a Plan B or
2: or or a number two. Like I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm on un- unapologetically me, which got me in a lot of trouble. Uh, and I don't think I could step away from that. I'd still be like very loud and nervous and awkward and kind of throw myself under the bus and have these like weird kind of confusing theories. So I just don't think I could do it any other way. I think maybe I'd like to say I'd keep my mouth shut a bit more but <laughs> I honestly don't think I'd be able to. Uh, it probably comes from being like the-, the youngest child of three and trying to like fight for attention at front of their dinners and stuff like that. <laughs> Making sure I'm getting heard. Fair enough.
1: know. skills in the long run
2: yeah (laughs) it makes me a very marmite character though (laughs) people either like really really like me or absolutely hate me and uh i think it's probably fair either
1: way (laughs) that's definitely a good attitude so for the final section of the podcast we're going to do some quick fire questions okay you ready?
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> I just want to feel a bit nervous. A <laughs> quick fire. <laughs> They're
1: not mean. They're not mean.
2: Israel Palestine.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Stay away that one. I'm joking.
1: Okay. So, last one. Who is your biggest role model?
2: Um. I'm not being very quickfire on this one, am I? I love <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. I, I wanna I wanna say him. Uh, I'm an F1 fan and I think he's just like an inspiration to everyone. This like working class um black kid in infiltrating a sport which is like predominantly white and upper class is just an incredible story. And I, and I love that. Um I also wanna say my dad too. I love my dad. <laughs> so, so, so and Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We, we ask this question on every podcast and it's usually a parent and someone else so <laughs> it <Cliche>. bang <laughs> on. Cliché. Um, <laughs> um, what is your favourite Jewish food? I love a rogala. I absolutely love a Um
2: I've had like really bad though and like really good rogala and there's a stark difference. Like I went yeah. to um, shul for my cousin's ufruf um, which is like the pre-wedding prayers I think and God damn, those rogolas were amazing. It was so, I had like 10. <laughs> I, was, I felt like sick afterwards, but I couldn't stop eating them. <laughs> is, it, is it Polish or is it a Jewish snack? I don't know.
0: I think it's Jewish. Sort
2: of like and the same, because there's a lot of like Eastern it. European influences and inspirations in Jewish food. So, or well it's Ashkenazi Jewish food anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, rugelach is definitely a staple of Jewish food.
2: Yeah, but I've got a side as well, and we have, like, crispy rice and stuff, but it's not really Jewish. It's more, like, Persian. Um, so we have, like, dolma, which is, like, the vine leaves and stuff like that. And I love all that.
1: Mm, sounds so good. Okay, very important question. Do you like Fazerizé?
2: I don't. I'm red. I'm a red wine all the way. <laughs> I love a Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have I I just don't know. I, like... I. I one, I would never have taken the glass because I have OCD anyway and can't take a glass when someone offers it to me, which is another story in itself. But 2 i it'd be like mm, fizzy rose. got any beer or red wine there? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think Diane's probably gonna get some brandies out there. <laughs> like, yeah. she's do really well, fizzy rose industry is like booming.
0: Yeah, I I think it's definitely boosted sales for the fizzy rose uh, across <laughs> the country. Um. Who are your closest friends from the show? Um, so my closest friends to the show are Jasmine,
2: which is shocking to a lot of people because we were literally arguing the entire way through the show. Uh, Ross and Molly. I love all three of them. I've got other close friendships with like Johnny, who's just the best guy. That's all I can say about him. He's he's perfect. Um, and, and Evie as well. And Andrew. I called Andrew my dad on the show. Um <laughs> Yeah, he always uh, has to like leave the viewing parties early or something to get the train back to Cardiff. So I never speak to him as much as so I'd want to. Whereas Ross and Jasmine are literally a stone's throw away in them stow. so we'd be out for pints all the time.
1: That's so lovely.
2: Yeah, I kind of accomplished like, my main goal, which is making new friends. <laughs> I may mean, not won the money, but hey, I'm I'm richer socially.
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> it makes pop. me sound
2: so weird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was very sweet so for the final quickfire question what is one piece of advice you would give to students today
2: um so it's it's going to be recycled because i said this exact same thing in the tab interview i had but um i think it's really relevant actually but i think it's really easy to get like caught up with what's happening in the future what what happened at like high school and stuff like that and how it influences your life now at university but just be present and enjoy your time at university. It is the best three years of your life, probably, or four years if you're lucky and get to do a placement or year abroad, something like that. It is literally something I look back on with just like intense jealousy that you guys are still there at university. <laughs> um, so just be in the present and enjoy every moment, um, which can be quite difficult when you're taken away by like the gotta apply for jobs and stuff like that. But that can come after. I, I don't want to say don't apply for jobs. Don't think about what you want to do because that's probably important too but it's not as important as you think it is when you're at university. So just enjoy the time you have there and truly get the most out of your experience. Go to like a weird society that you wouldn't go to before or something. Play for the, you rocket league team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know.
0: That's, that's great advice. Thank you very much, Zach. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great to chat all things, the traitors, Jewish life, um, career and all that. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. You can stay tuned for more podcasts, um, on our social media at UGS underscore UK Um, and thanks for listening.